What consumes you? I don't want you to answer that, but I want you to think about that question this week. And I want you to be honest within yourself. What really consumes me? I heard years ago, uh, an old pastor in a, in a preaching class say, if you want to know what consumes you, take a look in your checkbook. Ooh, that one hurts. And so this morning, just from my heart to your heart, I just want you to, to spend some time asking and searching the question, what consumes you? Because whatever that is, that is who we become. And my hope is through this time in Acts chapter 6 and 7, that we will see the beauty and we will recognize the importance of being consumed with Jesus Christ and nothing else no matter what. We have this tradition in our home where we all have our uh, unique slogans. In fact, as a family, kind of think about what one phrase comes out of your kids' mouths time and time again. Like I have a 13-year-old. A, a she just turned 13 on Friday. Her one phrase is, can I have some ice cream? <laughs> so we want to get her a T-shirt that says, can I have some ice cream? Or I have this 14-year-old who always says almost every day, hey, while you're down there, could you grab that thing? What thing? <laughs> and then, of course, the kids make fun of me because my one phrase is, are you kidding me? <laughs> and they want to get a T-shirt for me to wear that says, are you kidding me? And so I titled this message this morning from Acts 6 and 7, are you kidding me? And we're going to hang out. So one of the things that happens in the summer is I think sometimes as a church family, we sort of just kind of hit idle. And, and so one of the things I want to encourage you to do, one of the things that I have to kind of uh, encourage myself to do is I love taking the opportunity each summer to hang out with some characters. And so one of the things I want to encourage you to do uh, is, is find a couple of uh, Bible characters and just make a decision to hang out with them. If you want to, ladies, if you would love to hang out with Esther, I think that would be awesome. And, and then just break down, maybe spend about 25 bucks and buy some resources that will encourage you to, to know Esther a little bit more. And so that's what I do every summer. I always try to uh, find a Bible character, a couple to hang out with this summer. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And I want to show you the beauty of what it looks like to hang out with the character because this morning we're going to hang out with the character named Stephen. Are you kidding me? I mean, I am absolutely blown away with this man. And so I want to give you a little bit of context real quickly, and then we'll jump into some scripture around the character Stephen. And so what is happening? Praise the Lord. The church is growing at a rate that they're unable to keep enough servants going. The, the, the apostles are feeling overwhelmed with trying to take care of the spiritual sense of the church. And there's a lot of needs because there's a lot of people. Isn't, wouldn't that be a great problem? 
And so the, the apostles get together, they pray, they talk, they say, we need to find some men to select to help carry the burden of taking care of needs. And so they selected seven men. And the first man mentioned is the man named Stephen. And let me tell you about Stephen. As soon as he appears on the scene, he's gone. That's what I don't like about Stephen. Like, I want more time with Stephen. But the reality that Jesus reminds me is, it's not about Stephen. It's about my faithfulness and my glory. And I'm giving you just a glimpse of hanging out with Stephen so you see how this works. All right, all right, I'll take what I get. All right, got you, Lord. So let's go with Stephen. And it says about Stephen, first words that it says right there in Acts 6, I'm gonna encourage you to spend some time around this this week, but it simply says about Stephen, he was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's how I read my scripture. This is how I read when I read, and I'm like, what does that mean exactly? What does it mean to be full of faith? Can I confess something? I would like to think that I'm full of faith, but when it gets to Stephen's life and what he has to go through, I'm not sure I'm there. So I've got to ask myself, what does it mean to be full of faith? What does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? We're going to answer that by looking at Stephen, by hanging out with Stephen. We're going to understand a little bit more of that. So this message is, I'm excited about it, and yet it's sort of hard to swallow. So be prepared for that. Now, Lastly, before we get into this, what, one of the things I want to encourage you to do, pull out your smartphone, uh, find something to write on, but here's, here's what I've asked the, the Lord's blessing on this morning is simply this. We are going to cover so much in so short of time that I'm asking you to approach this message in a spirit of prayer and ask God to reveal something specifically to you. And then if that happens for you to write that down, and spend time this week chewing on that. Okay? So you have some homework to do. So as soon as something stands out to you, just write it down. Figure out how you can mark it and run with it this week. Let the Holy Spirit just come in and hang out with you this week around something that you heard today. That's good. You know, Jeremiah 15 tells us, and I love Jeremiah 15 because he tells us to take and eat the word of God so that it will be in our hearts. Or David says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. You know what David did? He took the word of God and he ate it. And so this week I wanna encourage you to find something. I want you to take it and I want you to eat it. So we have this man full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and he begins to speak. And, and, and it describes him as a man uh, full of kindness. He's a man full of wisdom. He's a man full of grace. And so he's doing what he's been called to do. And guess what that is? To proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And so he's going about his business, telling people about Jesus, leaning into people's mess and saying, let's walk, with, let's walk together in the name of Jesus. Let me show you what Jesus looks like. Let me show you how Jesus loves. And can you believe people would have a problem with that? I hate the enemy. I really do. 
When there's something good happening, the enemy always shows up because he can't stand it. And I've told people for years, and I remind myself this, if you want to play it safe in your Christian walk, keep a safe distance from Jesus. Because if you keep a safe distance from Jesus, you're no threat to the enemy. But I assure you, friends, when you get close to Jesus, buckle up. Because he's coming. I, it's just the truth. It's like a running back running with the football. Uh, hello, you're going to get tackled. And you run for the glory of Jesus Christ. Satan will come at you. And you know what? Let's be honest. He might tackle you. Oh, but in the name of Jesus, you will get back up and you will run some more. But please understand, if you're going to follow Jesus and you're going to proclaim the glory of Jesus, you will be attacked. That's why Peter says, why are you still surprised? I still, I still struggle with the surprise factor. There are still days in my life when I'm like, what the heck? And all of a sudden, it's like Jane or Peter sitting on my shoulder going, why are you surprised? Hello? Scripture says, if you follow Jesus, you will have trouble. And you know what we have a tendency to do? I'm going to confess. I have a tendency to go, okay, what can I do to kind of take the edge off of this? That's called compromise. That's not called, that's, that's not obedience. Let me tell you what I love about Stephen. Let's, let's get into this. So Stephen's proclaiming the glory of Jesus and Satan uses men, like he always does, to bring some oppression to Stephen. Stephen is being oppressed by obeying Jesus Christ. That's how it happens. Satan wants to stop this man. But when you're full of faith and you're full of the Holy Spirit, good luck, Satan. That's how powerful Jesus Christ is. No matter what your oppression or what my affliction might be, Jesus is greater. Always. So Stephen is getting oppressed and uh, they, wanna, they want to take care of business. Now, uh, you never want to give a man like Stephen a microphone. I mean, seriously, I laugh at six and seven because they decided, even though they're, oppress they're, they're oppressing him, they're against him, what were they thinking when they said, hey, you got anything to say? Isn't that awesome? Stephen's like, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me right now? You're giving me an open mic? But let me tell you what. I love about Stephen. Stephen spoke their language. He starts off by saying, let's, let's talk about Abraham. The people in the crowd are going, we like Abraham. And then Stephen transitions over to Moses. Oh, you had us at Abraham. <laughs> I can't believe I just used that line. All right, sorry. I need to confess, Jerry Maguire fans, I'm so sorry. You had me at Abraham. Maybe we could get that on a T-shirt. I don't know. So 
So we transitioned to Moses, and these people are like, this is, this is good. Offering is going to be good today. And then he transitions into David. I call that the trifecta. The tabernacle. Brilliant. Stephen is absolutely brilliant. And by the way, the description of Stephen is that he's a man of wisdom. Let me assure you, Stephen knows exactly what he's aiming to do. Because you understand being full of faith and being full of the Holy Spirit means your life is only for the glory of Jesus Christ. He knows where he's going. And he is not going to compromise. He is not going to waver. He's going after the throne of the heart of Jesus Christ. And nothing is going to stop him. Nothing. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. I love Stephen. But I love the faithfulness of God even more so because it's the faithfulness of God and the strength and the power of the Lord in Stephen's life that keeps him going. And friends, if I read scripture right, he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, which means the Holy Spirit that's in Stephen is the same Holy Spirit in us. What's our excuse? Constantly have to ask myself the question, what's our excuse? Comfort? Security? I like hanging out with Stephen, but sometimes I don't. And so at, the, at this, let's just say what it is. At verse 50 of chapter 7, read the sermon, beautiful. At verse 50, there's a revival about to happen in this place. And then Stephen does something just foolish. No, he doesn't. He knows exactly what he's doing. Look at verse 51. It is now going to pop up on the screen. Look at those first three words. I'm telling you, Stephen is brilliant that he has them eating out of their hands. Abraham, yes. Moses, yes. David, tabernacle. Dude, we are with you. And then all of a sudden, he knows their hearts. He knows that they have not been walking in the ways of the Lord. And so he calls them out. You stubborn people. Or I love the other translation that says you stiff-necked people. What happens this morning if I decided to call you stiff-necked people? I won't be back next week. But he wants, listen, listen, this isn't about him being right. We can easily get deceived in reading this, but the reality that we have to understand and embrace is that Stephen has no other ambition but to help them understand the ignorance of their ways. I am convinced without a doubt that Stephen is full of love and compassion even in this moment because they have had so many opportunities to receive Jesus Christ as their Messiah, as their Savior, and they haven't taken it. And Stephen now has an opportunity to step on some toes, not because he wants to be a jerk, not because he wants to be right. He does it for the glory of God. Oh, I pray that your eyes would be open. You foolish people, listen to what he says. Starting in verse 51, the, 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 we've already looked at the first line. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. 
Sometimes love is tough. There are moments in my walk with the Lord when he has to get tough. And there were days, and I'm just telling you, I'm growing. The Lord is doing a work in my heart. I can't say thanks enough for that. In fact, I told your pastor last night uh, just a, a journey that I've just literally walked with the Lord through. Ten years ago, I would have said, I think I'm done. But this past week, I kept thinking to myself, you must really love me. You must really love me that you would care to continually reveal the truth to me, even though at times I'm stubborn. Isn't that amazing? So please understand, that's the context here. He, Stephen's given it one last jab for their eyes to be open. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? The reality is all he's simply doing is calling out the fact that you've had opportunities to receive the magnificence, the power, and the glory of Jesus Christ, but you have resisted it. In fact, you have resisted it just like your fathers did, just like your ancestors did, and so do you. And then he gets really tight. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. <laughs> That's funny. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. My Savior, my Jesus, who came for your benefit and you murdered him. And then if you want to really get the religious people worked up, use the next phrase. Look. I'm not there yet. I'm, hold on. Verse 53, let's go. You deliberately disobey God's law, even though you received it in the hands of the angels. Now, verse 54, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fist at him in rage. You know what we call that? Pride. We call that Pride. They are full of themselves and can't even hear the truth. And how many times in my own personal journey have I been so full of myself that I missed the truth? They missed it. Verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed. I love this. This is how you and I need to start living our lives every day. We take our eyes and we just look to Jesus. You just looked at Jesus. Gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. My favorite part of this whole story is this moment. If you read the whole New Testament, you will never read another phrase in the New Testament like this one. Anytime you see Jesus in his place, you know what he's doing? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the reason why Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father is because on the cross, when he said, it is finished, his mission was accomplished. Now, the beauty is, in Romans 8, 34, maybe Romans 8, 27, it reminds us that Jesus Christ is interceding for us right now. Like, he is on our behalf. Like, I have this visual, it may not be theologically correct, but I don't care. Because it works for me. 
And that kind of can get a little scary, but I have this visual that anytime I sin and I deserve death, but because my Savior, my Jesus is interceding on my behalf, I, I have this visual of Jesus just kind of taking his arm and waving it in front of God's face, showing him his scars, going, I took care of it. Whoa. Because that's what he did. And that's what he's doing today. Interceding on my behalf. Interceding on your behalf. Right now, at this very moment, he's interceding on your behalf. Is that powerful? I love Hebrews chapter 12, 2 through 4. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the cross, scorned the shame, and is sitting at the right hand of God. And then my, those next two words in verse 4 says, consider him. So when you're going through some affliction, when you're going through some suffering, consider him. Because he knows. But I'm telling you, every time you read about what Jesus is doing today, he's seated, he's seated at the right hand of God, except for in this moment. Did you see what he's doing? He's standing. Pull the, put the verse back up. He's standing, friends. He is standing. He saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Can you imagine that? magnificent moment when he he knows i mean stephen knows as he's preaching this message he knows what's coming down and so he knows of man full of faith and full of the holy spirit my goal is to keep my eyes on jesus and nothing else so he looks to jesus and when he looks up jesus is standing in his obedience in the midst of suffering and affliction, and Stephen doesn't quite know exactly what's coming, but he can figure it out. And he looks to Jesus, and he sees Jesus standing. And in that moment, I believe with all my heart, Stephen's like, I'm coming home. You know why? Because his eyes have been set on home since he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Let me remind us the question, what are we consumed with? You know what Stephen's consumed with? Jesus. Jesus. Sees Jesus standing. Standing. And then if you want, this is, this is my, my humor. If you really want to make people mad, use the next line. He says, look. I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in a place of honor at God's right hand. That's just point blank blasphemy to them. And you notice that, that Stephen uses the word Son of Man. And what he's specifically doing is talking about the humanity side of Jesus. You see, because it's the humanity side of Jesus that's got that, that got crucified on the cross. You can't kill God. You can't kill God, but you can kill man. And so Stephen, in this moment, uses the language of the son of man, Jesus in human form, standing at the right hand. And they are like so mad. And so they, they, they just are like, Stephen, you are so blasphemous right now. Look at what they do. They put their hands over their ears and they begin shouting. 
I love Stephen. He's not backing down. Jesus is his savior. Jesus is his master. And nothing will come in between that. What are we consumed with? They rush at him, drug him out of the city, and begin to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of the young man named Saul, who we know as Paul. We'll finish up with that here in a second. Now look at this next part. I love it. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Charles Spurgeon is my hero, like such an amazing preacher back in the late 1800s, 1900s. Spurgeon says of Stephen these four things. Just I'm throwing them out real quick because I think they're really cool, really, really good. And these four things are simply this. You want to live like Christ? Here are the four things that you need to do to live like Christ. Number one, look to him. Number two, invoke him. And invoke him simply means call out to him. Call on him. No matter what the situation is, call on him. Don't call your buddy. Forgive me for saying this, but don't call your pastor. Call on Jesus first and give him time to respond. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Invoke Jesus. Trust Jesus. I love this last one. Imitate Jesus. We see Stephen do this, do we not? Stephen, first of all, gazed. He looked to Jesus. Secondly, he called out to Jesus right here. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. What I love about Stephen and what Stephen didn't pray. And if you go back to Acts 4, verse 23 through 31, when the disciples are gathering together praying, they're not praying for release from suffering, are they? You know what they're praying for? Boldness and courage to continue to preach the gospel. And you know how God responded? With an earthquake. And I'm thinking to myself, how about you and I live in such a way that we force God to show up? God has no choice but to show up. Stephen doesn't pray, Lord, get me out of this situation. I've been doing this for your glory. Why would you allow me to suffer like this? Get me out. No, no, no. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he trusted Jesus by saying, I'm placing my life in your hands. I placed my life in your hands a long time ago, and I've never doubted you. And right now in this moment, I'm putting my hands, I'm putting my life in your hands again. And then he imitates Jesus. You know how he imitates Jesus? Look at the very last line of chapter seven. Unbelievable, makes me go, are you kidding me? He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with the sin. Does that sound like somebody else we know? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And then he died. As soon as he appears on the scene, he's gone. And you know what this story does for me personally, friends? It gives me courage to stand for Jesus. It gives me the desire to know Jesus even more. Last thing I want to kind of say, 
Do you remember who's standing there watching all this happen? Do you realize in our afflictions and our sufferings, when we remain faithful to God, even though it's hard, even though it doesn't make any sense, I get it. I do. I get it. But if we can muster up the courage to remain faithful to him through those moments, do you know what's happening? It's a testimony. It's a witness. There are people who will be impacted by your faithfulness to a holy God in the midst of your suffering. There will be someone whose life will be highly impacted because you chose to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Even though you cry out, how long, Lord, how long? That's what I love about lamenting. Lamenting is fixing your eyes on Jesus, crying out to him about your situation, asking him to show up, but then you pour yourself out so that the last thing of lamenting is then you ask the Spirit to remind you of the promises of God and you fill yourself back up with the promises of God. Friends, we need to learn to lament biblically. Let it out. Cry it out to God. He knows. And not only does he know, and, and, and he knows what you need before you ask, he loves it when we come to him as, our, as he's our Abba Father, our Daddy. We are his children, and we cry out to him. Nothing moves his heart more than that, I'm convinced. And then we say, I need you, Jesus. I need you. I love Stephen. Lord Jesus, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Paul's standing there seeing all this. And let me tell you, don't ever underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit, please, friends. Because the Spirit was already working in Paul's heart. Paul just couldn't see it. And I laugh at times because I think to myself, how many times does Paul, as he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain? I wonder when he was inspired to write that, he didn't help but think about Stephen. And I'm thinking all these verses that I love about Apostle Paul, and I'm wondering when he, when he was inspired to write that, was, he, was Stephen on his mind? In fact, I even chuckled at myself thinking there's probably, there probably was a couple times when Paul said, doggone it, I'd give anything to hang out with Stephen for a while. But Paul knows, and I'm learning, it's not even about Stephen. It's not even about Paul. It's about Jesus. Right now, I don't know what you're going through in this room. People are going through some stuff. I know it. I can sense it. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know what it is. But let me tell you in the name of Jesus, he is interceding for you right now. He is interceding for you by name right now. And he who began a good work in you will see it to completion until the day that Christ Jesus returns. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. He will never leave us 
He will never forsake you. And I love when he said to Joshua, like I was with Moses, I will also be with you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So friends, whatever you're going through in this room, whatever it might be and how hard and dark it might be, all I can simply say from my heart to your heart, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Nothing else will save you. Nothing else will get you through that season, whatever it might be. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you are here. You are near. You are dear to us. Your word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It rebukes, corrects, trains, encourages, speaks into us. I'm so thankful that your word has spoken this morning. And we are here together as a family. And there are so many different walks and avenues in this room. There are some who are dealing with broken relationships right now and just don't even know what step to make next. We have illnesses and sicknesses in this room. We have career changes. We have worry, anxiety, fear. And I love what Stephen really said. In essence, what he was saying was, even as great as Abraham was, Jesus is greater. Even as great as Moses was, Jesus is greater. Even as David in the tabernacle, Jesus is greater. And Lord, may we remind ourselves that even in our sins, Jesus' grace is greater. Jesus, you are great. And I ask, Lord, for anyone in this room this morning who has not desired to walk with you, I, I pray that there is a moving in their heart in the power of your spirit only because of the power of your spirit and nothing else. That today is a good day to start that walk with Jesus. <laughs> and that they have a church family here that will walk with them and nurture them and encourage them as they start this journey. And so this morning as a family, Lord, if there is anyone in this room who would love to receive your son Jesus as not only their savior, but their, their, uh, their Lord and their master, if you are in this room this morning and you would love to start this walk with him, would you please raise your hand so that we could pray for you? Thank you. Lord, for the rest of us, we literally lay our brokenness before you right now, right at the foot of your cross. 
and we say, take it. Take it. No more fear, no more anxiety, no more brokenness. Take it. And Lord, would you just continually in your grace and in your mercy, would you continue to pour your goodness in me so that I will continue to pursue and choose you? Because Lord, we need help. Because left to myself, I just don't do so well. So I'm asking that all of us in here this morning would make a commitment to turn our eyes to you, to call out to you, to trust you, to imitate you. For your glory, for your honor, so that your kingdom would continue to increase here in this earth and through this church family. We pray this in the precious blood and in the power of the sacrifice on the cross and the power of the resurrected Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just uh, thank the Lord for those people that were making decisions today? It's so good. So good. Uh, it's like you get preachers in a room and it can, it can go a long time because that's what preachers do. They talk and you just talk and talk. And he was preaching so good. There were all these things coming in my head like, man, I want to say that. And, ooh, I got this. And, ooh, I, ooh, look at that. Ooh, I could say this. And, you know, but, but, but one of the things that he said that I thought was so powerful is he was talking about Jesus sitting there, right, at the right hand of God. And then when Stephen looks up, he sees that Jesus is standing. Like that, I've never seen that before. I mean, that was a, that's a powerful little insight that I hadn't seen before. And it reminded me, when I was a kid, when I got saved, I got saved in about the eighth grade, and I got saved in a, an all-black church. Like, my mom and I were the only white folk in the church. And that's where I met the Lord. And what was amazing, when the preacher would get to going, you know, I mean, frothy, you know, just frothing at the mouth. They're just, ha, and the, ha, and the, you know, when, it was always, it was so funny. There would be, there, there were these chairs on the stage. And what would happen when the preacher would get frothy, the spirit of God, get, the, the guys in the back, what would, they do, what would they do? They'd stand up. And they'd stand up behind the preacher. Like, and so the preacher's out front, and he's just going for it. And the people in the back, they stand up. And I just had this image of Jesus seeing Stephen's faithfulness. And he's seeing it, and he's watching it. And he's like, yes! He stands up. And he's just like, I just have this image. And I know this isn't in the Bible, but if him clapping him on. Just cheering him on, going, come on, boy, I got you. It's such a powerful image. And I just think about where you guys are today and where I am today. Is I can just picture Jesus getting up out of his chair and saying, come on, I see you. I see you. Isn't that powerful? That'll, that'll, that'll stay with you. 
that'll stay with you today. And I hope it does. I don't really, I mean, I could say a lot more about that, but man, I just love the, the fact. I love, I love thinking about Jesus getting out of his chair. I like that. I like that.